In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The text for this evening's sermon is actually not from one of the readings. It comes from 2 Kings chapter 22. And Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Some background on this interesting quote. The days of exile in Babylon were over. The remnants of the two southern tribes in the region of Judah returned to Jerusalem to rebuild their ruined city. The one great building left ruined for so long was the temple. So many kings of Judah either paid lip service to Almighty God while worshiping idols or were rank idolaters who gave the one true God no glory. Then in the line of succession of kings came King Josiah. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the way of David his father. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. When Josiah was 26 years old, he ordered the temple repaired. His orders were to spare no expense. Make the temple a splendor of holiness for the Lord God. One day, while repairs continued on the temple, the high priest Hilkiah said to Shaphan, the secretary, the words of this evening's text, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. The way the writer of 2 Kings puts it, it seems as if this discovery was at best anticipated or at worst a complete surprise. You would expect great fanfare at finding something precious that was lost for many years. Shaphan eventually tells King Josiah, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book, the understatement of the world's history. (laughs) And Shaphan read it before the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. There is the expected reaction. Josiah tells Shaphan, Go, inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. The first reaction to finding the book of the law, the book of Torah, is repentance. Remember, beloved, that when you hear the book of the law or the word Torah in Hebrew, Torah means more than just do this and don't do that. It means more than just eat this and don't eat that. It is the fullness of God's revelation to his people, including both the law as well as the promise, the promise of Messiah the anointed one who will come among his people to reconcile them to their father in heaven. King Josiah did not think that the book needed to be sold on eBay in order to raise more money for the building of the temple. It was time to repent, to listen to what the book says, and to believe the promises of God, especially the promise of Messiah. What in the Sam Hill does the finding of the book of the law in 2 Kings chapter 22 have to do with Reformation Day? 
everything. Martin Luther had to deal with similar circumstances in the 16th century. He had to deal with idolatry, a big problem among the Jewish people. Worship of the saints, worship of relics, the idolatrous sacrifice of the mass, and idolatrous works that took the focus away from Christ's work and put it on you and me. The Pope's attempts to rebuild the temple, so to speak, were church councils that more or less stirred up more trouble rather than made peace. Then Pope Leo X thought it wise to construct a new church, a new basilica in Rome. And he demanded that the payment of this be happened through indulgences, the forgiveness of sins through the paying of money in order to build this opulent basilica. Meanwhile, way up north, in an Augustinian monastery in what is now modern-day Germany, there's this guy. He's a monk. He's a priest. He's an Old Testament professor. He teaches future priests the Old Testament. His name is Martin Luther. And Martin Luther did something that a lot of people did not do in the 16th century. He read the Bible. He had, as it were, a Josiah moment. He found, as it were, the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And in so doing, one of the places that he found that did not jibe with what he was hearing elsewhere was in the book of Habakkuk, where the prophet writes, the just shall live by faith. This correlates with St. Paul's letter to the Romans, where Paul teaches that the righteous shall live by faith in Jesus Christ and what Jesus has done for sinners. No idolatrous sacrifice of the mass, no prayers to saints, and there is no external keeping of man-made laws that saves man. According to the scriptures, only Jesus and his blood and his righteousness, that's what saves Believing in Jesus and what he has done for you brings forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And Luther began to teach this and to preach this and to write about this. And when the word got down to Rome, they were not happy. Luther ultimately was condemned to die as a heretic. He spent the last 25 years of his life more or less in hiding, although it was a big open secret that he was hiding, because in the area that he was living in, he had princes and dukes who were on his side, who gave him political asylum. He couldn't travel too very far. For example, he wasn't there in Augsburg in 1530 when the Augsburg Confession was read before the Holy Roman Emperor. If he'd have showed his face in Augsburg, he'd have been killed. He didn't have safe travel there. So he had to hang outside of town a few miles and had to send messages. Messages by messengers. You might say it was the early version of email, although a little bit slower. The word that Luther proclaimed, however, outlived him. And it is still among us today. And Luther had a lot of help. Because he happened to live at about the same time that social media came around. Not the social media we know today. Something a little slower. Slow media. The printing press. 
The printing press is what helped spread the gospel. Because when Luther was really in hiding in about 1522, he translated the New Testament into the language of the people, German. The people were used to going to church and used to hearing the gospel. Yes, but not in German, in Latin. Now Luther put the gospel into their hands for the first time. And the gospel spread like wildfire all over Germany and ultimately all over Europe. Consciences were eased. Forgiveness was distributed in preaching and the sacraments. Luther, in the end, really did nothing. He's called the Reformer. He would disagree. He didn't even like his church to be called the Lutheran Church. Why would you want to name it after some miserable guy like me? Luther ultimately said it was the Holy Spirit that did it all. Luther once is quoted as saying something to the effect of, I just stand up in the pulpit and I preach the gospel. And then I go home and I drink a good Wittenberg beer and I sit back and let the Holy Spirit go. The Holy Spirit is the one that made the Reformation, beloved. Not Luther. The Spirit with the Word. That's what changed the hearts and minds of man. Today, in the year of our Lord, 2022, the Reformation continues. Every day, we, like Hilkiah, rediscover the book of the law of the Lord, the Torah, that proclaims God's hatred of sin and his love of righteousness. Daily, we, as baptized children of God, are repented by this word of punishment for sin. We daily die to sin in our baptism and rise from the water a new creation, washed clean and righteous in Christ's blood. Daily we believe anew the radical love and mercy that God has for us because of Jesus Christ. No longer are we shackled by trying to do something and to try harder at doing something. No longer, beloved, are we worried that God is angry at us. If I could summarize the Reformation in six words, it would be these. God is not mad at you. That's the message of Holy Scripture. In Jesus Christ, beloved, God is not mad at you. It's the message that goes forth from pulpits like this one all over the world. Would to God that we have ears to hear that. And hearts to believe it. That's why we're still celebrating the Reformation. We're this side of paradise. It's a message that we need to hear, not just on October 31st. Every day. God is not mad at me. Now let's see how this worked out. Josiah was able to restore the pure worship of God among the Jews. But there came a time when he died. And you would think that his successor, King Jehoahaz, would pick up the torch and walk with it. Nope. 
Jehoahaz again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and so did the king after him. And it wasn't long when the Jews went back into some sort of exile, and they forgot all about the happy days of Josiah. If we were to track the Jewish people from about 1000 BC up until the time of the arrival of John the Baptist, if we were to track it on a line graph, what would it look like? It would start way up here and fall all the way down here. By the time John the Baptist came around, it was a remnant, the leftovers. That's who the gospel was ultimately preached to, the leftovers. Let's see how this worked out after Luther died in 1546. He pretty much predicted that people would start fighting over his legacy, and his body wasn't even quite cold in the grave. And yes, there was great fights over his legacy. There is a story during the big wars after Luther's death that they came unto Wittenberg, and they went into the church there at Wittenberg, the castle church where Luther is buried. And the Holy Roman Emperor was persuaded by his soldiers to dig up the body of Luther, to burn the body of Luther, and to scatter his ashes in the Elbe like you do with heretics. The Holy Roman Emperor Charles V is quoted as saying, I make war on the living, not on the dead. You can go to Wittenberg today, and there you will find Luther's remains undisturbed. But the Lutheran confession, disturbed. We've been fighting over it for almost 500 years, nonstop. And yeah, it makes people kind of upset. When are you Lutherans going to get your act together? All you do is fight over the little bittiest of things. You fight. Welcome to being a Lutheran this side of the grave. And that's why we're still preaching and teaching and talking about the Reformation today, beloved. Because the church is always in need of renewal. Our lives are always in need of renewal. Because the gospel is what we care about. That's it. Jesus died for my sin. And the sin of the whole world. Jesus rose from the dead to give me a place with him in paradise. Where I live forevermore. With all of those who have gone before me in the faith. That's what we care about. That's the bottom line. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. To remind you of that. Every week. When is the preacher going to start talking about something different? The answer? Never. Same thing. Same Jesus. Applied to you in different ways every week. I hate to give you some more bad news, but here we go. The passing rain shower, as Luther called the gospel, has already left Germany and pretty much gone from Europe too. And here, the drought has begun. Passing rain shower has moved to places like Africa. 
where they love the gospel and they can't get enough of it. So what do we do? Do we quit? Do we change the message to make it look more relevant? Do we go cowering in the corner in the fetal position because we're afraid they're going to come look for us and tell us to stop preaching this hateful message? No. We recall Hilkiah, Josiah, and the saints of old as they began with the repentance of sins, believing in Messiah and the renewal of the remnant and the preaching and teaching of Holy Scripture. Because they can take away everything, but they can't take away your baptism, and they can't take away the word. Because the prophet Isaiah clearly says, the word of the Lord endures forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.